1: Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, we were right. Going into Wednesday night's game on the last time we were on the air, we said, if there are things that you can expect, totally expect Phil Booth to not go ice cold for a majority of the game. And then for Georgetown, don't expect Jesse Govan to walk out with zero points for Mac McClung to be a non-factor as he scored only two points in the last game against Nova. Well, we were right. Bill Booth carried the Wildcats for a majority of the game, scoring-wise. And Jesse Govan just bullied the Wildcats inside. And also, you know, Mac McClung. He started the game hitting four for four from deep. Got the Hoyas going. Got him an early lead. But you know what I didn't expect? I didn't expect for Nova to get beat on the boards. For Nova to not play great defense. For Nova to continue not making the greatest of shot selection. But then when they would get the open looks, to continue to brick it from deep. And last but not least, I did not expect for Nova to lose 85 to 73. It probably could have been way worse than that. Looking at this box score right now, I'm honestly kind of surprised it was 85 to 73 because for a while it felt like we were on the brink of just getting blown out by our
0: rivals. And that's never fun. Never fun. No, it's not, especially in that fashion. And I think you hit on all the key points, but I'd even contest that, you know, Phil Booth really wasn't even that great. I really don't think so. Like he started off great, but then after that he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. And I'm not blaming him not going to blame him. There was a lot of things wrong. You highlighted pretty much everything. But he didn't shoot all that well, especially in the second half, and a lot of those were open. And a lot of his drives to the basket resulted in either an offensive foul or a brick layup. So even when he was doing well, he really wasn't that well. It's, he's got to figure it out soon because this. I'm not saying this team's season's over by any stretch of the imagination, and I've tried to be positive for most of this year. But man, it is hard now. This game was a little bit eye opening. You know, you take the St. John's loss and we're like, okay, fix that against Georgetown. You know, it's one of those freak accidents where, you know, you just let the team get back into it. It's a collapse, it happens. But then you throw a performance like that against your blood rivals in their building and like barely even show up on the defensive side. And even on the offensive side, too. We'll, we'll talk about that. It's just embarrassing. This is now getting scary. Yeah, if we're looking at the box score here, Georgetown won 85-73, to
1: evening the season series, handing Villanova back-to-back losses in conference play for the first time since Realignment. This is the first time since the quote-unquote new Big East that Villanova has lost two straight games in a row in conference play. It seems like this is the year where we get all the bad firsts out onto the table, get those out of our system, because this was not fun. It was not a fun time. Phil Booth finished with a game-high 26 points, but like you said, he was ice cold in the second half. He only shot 4 of 11 over the last 20 minutes. Overall, for the entire game, he was 10 for 22 on the floor and then 3 of 10 from deep. Not great efficiency numbers. Eric Pascal had 16 points, was 4 of 11 on the floor. And then Colin Gillespie, he turned it up in the second half, but we needed more than just him to get going. We needed other people to step up in the second half to assist Booth who was carrying the Cats for a majority of the first half. But if nothing changed in that second half, you knew that this team was going to have problems.
0: No, for sure. And our two X factors that we highlighted on Tuesday, uh, Gillespie and Sadiq Bay, absolutely terrible performances, especially from beyond the arc. Gillespie 2 of 6 and Bay 1 of 6. I think Gillespie had one good play all night where he pumped fake fake the three and drove to the basket and did a little underneath layup. And I was like, all right, good. He should probably start doing that more because obviously his shot is not there right now. And we were still speculating as to what it is, if it's illness or injury, whatever it may be. And then Sadiq begged, yeah, he had a great game on the boards, but the shot wasn't there. And that's exactly what we were lauding him on Tuesday for. Like the corner threes were there and they were there against Georgetown and he wasn't hitting them. And like you said, we needed that second option or Villanova needed that second option to step up, and no one one did. The three ball wasn't falling for Nova on Wednesday night, and that's definitely part of the problem here. Once again, we saw another
1: cold shooting performance from the Cats. They were just 9 of 38 from deep for the entire game, good for only 23.7%. Like we said, you can't pass the test doing that, you can't pass a quiz doing that, and you definitely can't win a basketball game going 23% from long range. This is entirely uncharacteristic of the cats Chris does this concern you are you still concerned with the shot selection the shot choice or is it just did you see a bunch of looks there that like hey this would normally knock down or fall it just
0: wasn't happening I I think a little bit of both the shot selection is still pretty bad and I think we were kind of afraid to say it or at least early on in the year when they were in that little winning streak that the shot selection was still pretty bad but they were hitting it especially Pascal and Booth, where we kind of joked like, oh, they lead the conference in no, 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 yes, yes, yes type shots. And it's still like that. The problem is now is they're not hitting them. So now it looks even more egregious and you're willing to let a pass for that. But when they're not making them, it's really egregious and it looks really bad. It just looks like bad offense. And the offense is stagnated now where between the bad shot selection, there's no ball movement. There's no drives to the basket. And if there are, they're dribbling it off their leg out of bounds or they're not looking for the kickout or they're getting blocked at the rim. Even Bill Rafferty's like, they're driving and they're not looking for the kickout anymore. And it's not creating open shots. And then when you do get the open shots, you're missing them. And Phil Booth was probably the biggest offender of that against Georgetown. There was a plenty of open shots. and But Booth missed a bunch. Gillespie was a defender of it against St. John's. These guys just aren't hitting the shots and they're not making them they're not hitting the shots and they're not taking good ones to begin with and it sucks now because you have your two senior leaders who can't hit him obviously but now Samuel still has the red light so he's not going to do anything from beyond the arc or anything from the field and he was basically useless because he was in foul trouble so he can't even utilize his strength with the rebounding gillespie is obviously having a problem keep him, uh, keeps keep saying that cremo the supposed three-point specialist Oh, for four from beyond the arc again, like, so when is someone going to step up and, and figure it out and hit a shot? I know this this team has gone through cold stretches before these teams have the propensity to go cold because this is the type of offense they run. This is what happens when you shoot a lot of threes, but at the same time, adjust a little bit. And I know we said last episode, we don't really expect anything to change offensively with adjustments and all, but like someone's got to start driving to the basket and start hitting some layups. When the the shots aren't falling, because to just screw around behind the three-point line and just hack up crap is just just getting out of hand. And you can't do this against a team like Georgetown.
1: You can't. See, I thought in this game the shot selection wasn't as bad as it was against St. John's. And St. John's, you you could tell they clearly panicked. They clearly rushed a lot when they saw St. John's starting to fight back. But here, I thought. At least for the most part, they did a pretty good job of at least moving the ball around or a much better job compared to that second half collapse that we saw last Sunday. You could see they were hitting guys wide open on the weak side for open threes, but no one was cashing in. And then when you see that no one's cashing in, I think that's when it started to get to them. And then we did see a few four shots. I know Phil Booth in the second half. Like you said, the no, 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 yes, yes, yes shots weren't dropping this time around. He would drive inside, eat up a lot of contact, had a few guys camped out on the perimeter, but didn't kick it out. Scary when they just force up shots instead of moving the ball around. Like you said, we've seen teams go cold. I mean, we, you know, we saw that Oklahoma loss in 2016. We've seen bad losses where they just got flat out beaten up. But there's a difference between, you know, moving the ball around, trying, and then you don't cash in on those open looks or you don't cash it in from deep versus forcing it up. I didn't think it was as bad as Sunday. Yes, there were still problems in the second half, but it was definitely a lot better than Sunday. I think the biggest problem, if you ask me, this is something that we saw last time out against the Hoyas that we didn't see on Wednesday night was just the defensive effort, the judgment, when it came to fouling, because there were so many dumb, unnecessary fouls that just gave Georgetown free points. And in the second half, especially in the beginning, when Nova looked like it was starting to find its bearings, you can't make a comeback if you're just going to spot the Hoyas, all these free opportunities to get free points. And not only that, they got destroyed on the boards. They got wrecked for a good majority of the game. Now, a big reason of this was because we had Jermaine Samuels, Demir cosby two players that were lauded for what they did on Jesse Govan last time out absolutely shutting him down holding him to zero they were in foul trouble for the entire game and then even when they were in they got bullied by Govan who finished with 21 points to lead the Hoyas and he was 8 of 12 on the floor
0: yeah bullied is a little I don't even think that's the right word for it I think Govan just absolutely destroyed. Govan ate him alive. It wasn't even like the fact that they had to stretch the floor and they ma- they kind of neutralized DCR that way. He just ate him up inside, and a lot of rebounds for Govan were over DCR. And I just I don't know what it was. DCRs had a pretty good stretch of games where you know he's rebounding well, he's making some smart offensive plays, rolling to the basket, getting open looks, and whatever it may be. But he usually does. But Govan took him out back monster performance from someone who obviously played like a chip on his shoulder because he didn't do anything against Villanova last time out mainly due to foul trouble so I guess the shoes on the other foot there and you could see what happens when one team is in foul trouble and the other team isn't the team that isn't gets in a a rhythm and that's what happened with Govan and while the other team isn't and that's what happened with Samuels and DCR and they just weren't able to find their game against Georgetown and then McClung going off he went like, what? When you start that game, like three of three from three, four four from three, whatever it was, some ridiculous amount. So I guess he kind of cooled off in the second half when he, and he only finished six of 12 from the field, four of eight from deep, but he did a lot of other things. Well, I thought Georgetown had some great ball movement all night as well. Uh, like you said, they were hitting their free throws, which is something I don't I don't remember last game. I don't think they really were all that good from the free throw line. I don't remember, but I don't remember them being that big of a threat from the line, but This time out, they got 20 of them, they hit 16 of them, and that's, as a result, they they never really let Nova back into it once they got a substantial lead. And even if you look at their bench, they played five guys, eight minutes or more, all five of them scored. Meanwhile, you got Villanova playing four guys with two of them didn't score. Georgetown was rotating guys in and out. I know the minute distribution for Georgetown wasn't something... Sort of like laud, but they were playing different guys and they were all scoring and all contributing. Meanwhile, Villanova was riding its starters to death and they still wasn't enough. And this is the thing with Georgetown. They have been one of the
1: highest scoring offenses consistently in the Big East. And we knew the last time that these two teams played each other, that defense for Villanova was going to be a very big focal point, collecting those loose balls, beating the Hoyas on the glass, not allowing them to have second chance opportunities, and then also not allowing them to get hot. This team has been dropping around 80, over 80 a night. To allow them to have 85 versus the last time out where Nova really clamped down, that was the difference to me. Yes, Nova was cold the last time out, and they were cold on Wednesday night. But the difference was that they were dogs on defense. They were hustling. They were not allowing them to breathe on defense. They were not allowing them to collect those boards there were so many times where georgetown got so many dumb loose rebounds i was like is anyone gonna is everyone gonna grab the ball they're gonna let it roll away i just thought that the i don't know if it's fatigue i mean we always got to bring it up it's always something that everyone kind of wonders about or is curious about but do you think that played a part into last night you could see phil booth cooled off in the second half he wasn't hitting those shots is fatigue legit?
0: I think it is. And we talked about it last episode that we think this team is getting really tired really quick now. It's starting to catch up. And yeah, like you said, the, with those rebounds, like it was just loose balls that you would usually see Nova get and they just weren't. And you got to figure it's like fatigue because it's it's not a lack of effort. I'm never going to accuse any of these athletes of lack of effort. So you got to think they're just tired. It, it's got to be. The bye week and like the first week of March from in between that Butler and Seton Hall game. I'm looking most forward to that. I'm not even looking forward to the Marquette game anymore. I'm looking forward to them getting a week of rest because it's apparent that these it's they're getting tired. It's so, so clear. And we kind of ignored it because they were playing so well. And you knew in the back of your mind, you're like, all right, there they are playing a little bit too much. You should probably start working those other guys in. You had that in the back of your mind, but we never really said it because we're like, all right, they're winning. So what is winning mess all problems, but it is becoming apparent now that I think it's fatigue. You, you got to think it's fatigue too, right?
1: At times, I definitely do think that at times I definitely feel that, but I just really just chalk it all up to just defensive execution. And also like, I know the refs were calling a pretty tight game and it didn't feel like it, but the amount of fouls called was even across the board, 19 a piece between both teams. But there were just so many plays where I was there. I was like, were you thinking, you know, when Nova was getting those great plays to start off the second half, I was thinking like, all right, all right, we're going to settle down here. We're going to tip away at this lead. But they just didn't allow themselves to do that because they kept burning themselves. And then also just putting them or putting the Hoyas a step closer to the bonus with each and every mental mistake. I mean, how many fouls did Georgetown get where it was just completely unnecessary? It was frustrating. It was very frustrating to watch. I know you could point to the offensive execution, but to me, it was just the defense was what killed me.
0: Oh, for sure. I think it's just a lot easier to bash the offense because it's easier to just see what happens. Oh, shot doesn't go in. Oh, that's bad offense. It happened against St. John's and it happened against Georgetown, but a lot of those threes that Georgetown had open, like a lot of open threes came from the corner. That was exactly what happened against St. John's. Granted, most of those were in transition. So, and this was in the half court defense, but they're leaving the corner open again. That was kind of a problem in the beginning of the year, and you don't want to see that defense regress like that to where they're now bringing up problems from the past. A lot of times in the second half, Villanova, they cut it to what, what like 7, 8, and after like a 3, and then Georgetown would go right down. They'd find a the guy in the corner after moving the ball around, and they'd hit a 3, or they pump fake, get draw a foul like you said, or they drive inside and give it a go, Van, for an easy 2. Georgetown did everything in their power to make sure Villanova never even sniffed trying to get back into this game. And you got to give them props for that. They played a really good game offensively. Like you said, one of the top offensive teams in the big East, but you would still think that Villanova would at least somewhat replicate that defensive performance that they did last time out against them. And the fact that they didn't even come close to that is, is very concerning.
1: It is concerning. I'm also starting to get concerned now because, you know, when Nova is a two man team, Bill Booth and Eric Pascal, and those two leading guys aren't going. And then we can't get help. Last time we got, a career-high 30 points from Colin Gillespie to bail us out against the Hoyas. On top of great late-game execution by the Cats to pull away and just go on that nice run to seal the deal. But when this team is suffering and no one can get going, that's when I start to close my eyes like a horror movie. You know, where's that jump scare that's just going to kill my vibe? We don't have time for it today. We don't have time for the mailbag today, unfortunately. But we did get one question, and I, you know, I did want to bring this up to you. But this was from Jeffrey Callahan. He tweeted us last night and said, the finger is on the panic button, in all caps. I gotta ask you, now we've lost back-to-back games. We've lost three of the last four games. Is your finger inching close to that
0: panic button? Have you already pressed it? Where are you right now with that? It's hovering over it. <laughs> it's not, I have not hit it yet. And that's because this game coming up this weekend, is very winnable. And they should win it. If they lose it, the button's being hit. And it's kind of a shame that, we're kind of back to where we were in the beginning of the year where we're like, Oh, don't like hands off the panic button. And we're talking about the panic button again. And you had like a, what, 10 game win streak thrown in there. And now you're back to where you started from because of a three or four stretch, uh losing stretch. And if it wasn't for a late run against Providence, it's probably four or four. So it's, I don't, I'm not panicking yet. I'm just saying that this team had a lot of issues that were masked by winning and we kind of ignored it because they were winning. And I feel kind of guilty for not at least pointing it out and just kind of acknowledging it because now I've been, as a fan, like kind of like taken back by these performances. But in reality, those issues were there to, from the get go. So I'm not panicking yet. But if they lose to Xavier, it's full blown panic mode.
1: That's how I feel. I feel like if they were to lose to Xavier this weekend, I will now admit to being very concerned, and I get it. I get why people feel this way. You have a horrible collapse, heartbreaking collapse on Sunday, and then you come back against a team that you've already beaten earlier this year. It's a rivalry game. There's always a little added emphasis when it comes to these nice rivalry games, and now you just get flat-out beat wire-to-wire. Not a good feeling, and... You've been dominating the Hoyas since realignment. You've been dominating St. John's since realignment. And it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. I got to ask you, because this has kind of been also tossed around. It's kind of tied into the whole panic button. You know, the last time this Nova team lost back-to-back games, they went out and won the next 11 games straight. Do you feel that that was just a product of overachievement? Do you think that Nova has overachieved? Do you think that, in a way, that 11-game winning streak, that hot starts a conference play, that 10-0 start, do you think that that was a little maybe was a part of luck? Do you think that maybe was not the true colors of this team that we're seeing?
0: <sighs> yeah, that's that's a that's a loaded question there. Um I don't want to say they overachieved because that's kind of implying that this team isn't good. I think they're good. They're obviously not last year good or Years of the past, good. This team has talent. It's not like they're a bunch of bums. I wouldn't say they overachieved. That was probably their peak performance. That's probably the best they're gonna play. And personally, I still think they're better than every team they played in that 10 game stretch. Like they're better than DePaul. They're better than Providence. They're better than UConn, St. John's, Creighton, Xavier, Butler, Seton Hall, Georgetown. Like as a team, I think they're better than those teams. So it was good that they won. And I, but they probably lucked out in a couple of those games where they probably should have lost. They probably hit some shots that they're now not hitting now. And that's the difference. So I wouldn't say they overachieved because I still think this team can still make a sweet 16 run, but they were beating the teams they're supposed to, and now they're not. And I think that's what it just comes down to. And it's now all evening, evening out. And also, I feel like they got a little bit lucky in the sense that, like, they didn't play like a lot of road games, like back to back, like they are now. Like, you're at St. John's, at Georgetown, and now at Xavier this coming weekend. While your road games in that stretch were at Creighton, which tough, sure, always tough game, but they went in there and beat them, beat them pretty handily. At Providence has been always been pretty tough, and at Butler, but you had the Paul in there as well twice. You had Seton Hall at home, where they didn't even try. Like you had a lot of home games against these tougher opponents. So I know you still got the Marquette one at home as well, but still, I, I don't think they overachieved, but I do feel like that's their best you're going to see them. That makes sense. That makes sense.
1: I think on paper, you can definitely say that this team is better than eight out of the nine other teams there in the Big East. I know with Marquette, you can easily, you know, you can debate it. It's frustrating when you see a team lose back-to-back games now, not only for the third time the season. But now the teams that you know you should have beaten the teams that, well, at least one of the games you had in the bag and then you just completely choked it away on Wednesday night, they just got flat out outplayed in every facet of the game by the Hoyas. It is concerning, but I I feel like I I still need to see more before I can press the panic button, before I can say that this team has overachieved and pack your bags, check back here for the 2019-2020 season, before I can say that, I'm still not sold. I mean, this could just be another bad stretch. We've seen Nova after losing back-to-back games come out and win consecutive ones after that bouncing back, but it's hard. I get why the fans are frustrated. I get why people are hurting right now. And especially with Hoyas, you don't want to lose to your blood rival. It's like losing to your little sibling. You never want to do that. I don't know what to say because... I come out on Wednesday, and I don't think there was really many positive things to say. I I, I don't think there were that many positives to come out of that game. At least with St. John's, you know, there were a few silver linings. This Wednesday night one, I don't see one other than we get to live and fight another day. Yeah,
0: not many positives to talk about, that's for sure. But kind of building on what you were saying before, if this team goes 3-1 and one in their next four games, that means they would have lost four Big East games. That's 14-4. and four. That's right in line with what we were both saying at the beginning of the year. Now, it's going to look worse because these losses came at the end of the year and recency bias is a thing where if you lose later in the year, it looks a lot worse than when you lost earlier in the year. So in terms of like overachievement and expectations, if they go three and one, they're right in line with our expectations. But that being said, that's more I, I think it's more of an indictment of the rest of the Big East than it is of. Villanova being actually good just because of what Villanova's competition has been because the Big East has just been ravaged by graduation and transfers and all that stuff. So like going back to the overachievement point, I want to say they overachieved because it's right in line with what we expected, to be honest, 14 and four in the Big East. So, but uh, that's assuming a three and one stretch, which right now seems pretty uh, precarious to predict, but still, it's not like the worst thing in the world if they go three and one in these next four.
1: Last time we were on the air, someone asked us what were your expectations for the rest of the regular season. And I said if they were to lose two of the next five games, while that wouldn't be pretty on paper, it wouldn't be that bad. Fourteen and four. Not only, you know, is recency bias a thing, but you don't want to go into the postseason cold. That's the last thing you want. I am now a little concerned because I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think I can firmly say how many games they're going to win or lose. Cause I feel like at this point now the team is just completely unpredictable. I, they've shown sides to themselves that we haven't seen at any other point this season. I feel like, like, yes, they've lost back-to-backs before, but these two back-to-back games feel so different because it felt like they've come so far. It felt like things were going to be good. And then you can argue you know the the late game execution against st john's was worse than any of the other losses they've had earlier in the year and now you just get flat out outplayed wire to wire by georgetown it it gives me this feeling like why is this happening now i think that's the scary part in all this
0: yeah i don't know why it's happening now it could be because they're tired or it could be because of a cold spell it could be a various reason or it could be a combo these losses definitely seem worse just because of how they're losing them it they're Like you said, they're showing sides of themselves that we never saw before. Like against Marquette, they were able to rally and fight their way back and valiantly lost. Same thing with Kansas. Heck, even same thing with Penn. They kind of rallied themselves and came back even though they really kind of shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. Other than like the Michigan game, like where they just got flat out destroyed, we're not used to seeing Villanova lose like this. Where they just either flat out collapse or get beaten but self-inflicted. It's just not a good look. And the fact that it's happening later in the year shows that they're regressing, which, like you said, goes back to your point where you don't want to be cold going into the March tournaments because it's just not a good mentality to have. If you're going in cold and playing like this, that's not good. It means you peaked. And I think we might have experienced that with Twin streak. But I don't know, unless they turn it on these next four... It looks like you've seen the best of Villanova basketball for this year.
1: And that's a scary almost reality because we, you know, we're not sure of what's going to happen in March, but we're used to seeing this team turn it on to a whole nother gear around this time of the year. So seeing them hit a road bump while it's nice and refreshing because it's like, hey, so, you know, this is still a very tough conference. Like I know you you started with the best start ever in program history, but this is still a dogfight conference. You still got the targets on your back. Yes, all these teams are cannibalizing each other from three to ten. But there are no guarantees here other than they probably locked the one or two seed in the biggest tournament. That's probably the only thing that's guaranteed. Other than that, these teams, they can all ball. They can all play. They've all been exchanging blows like prize fighters here. And There are no easy wins. There's no more punching bags in this conference. And maybe it is a reminder that no needs to go hot for the rest of the year, but we're just going to have to wait and see. It'll all start this Sunday against Xavier, the next opponent. Nova's going to head into the Sintas Center, which we know is also another tough place to play. Now, I've said that Xavier is probably the least impressive team. I know that, you know, standings-wise, they're not at the bottom. The eye test for me, it might not match up to the numbers, but the Musketeers, in my opinion, was the worst team in the conference. Now, I don't know. After you see them win back-to-back games over the now last-place teams, creating and Providence, and then they beat Seton Hall. Last night, that was a game that they weren't expected to win at all. So now we're going into a red hot team that's going to be hungry to beat Nova. Chris, we've seen this team before. We know that, you know, they don't shoot the three ball all too well. We know they're very interior dominant but I guess it's safe to say that this is going to be a whole new squad than from what we saw at the beginning of conference play.
0: For sure. They definitely made some improvements. You know, you factor in the fact that they did have that little bit of a losing streak ended with losses to Villanova and the Paul. And then as you said, they rattled off three straight wins against quality opponents with Creighton, Providence, and Seton Hall. Maybe it's a good thing Villanova's playing a hot team because the last two teams they've played haven't exactly been the hottest. So maybe things will change, but I don't know. Like we said last time, we're like, all right, Xavier is not going to be that tough. And then they ended up proving tough. You look at their team now. You got Najee Marshall actually leading leading the way with 13.8 points. You still got Paul Scruggs doing his thing, averaging 12 a game. Quentin Gooden's averaging 12. Tyreek Jones averaging 11. Zach Hankins is a tad under 10 a game and he absolutely eated Villanova alive before getting benched in the second half for which we still don't know why they're a different team in the sense that they're playing better and Najee Marshall seems to be stepping up now a little bit more so than usual and he's definitely contributed these past three wins for Xavier but yeah I kind of agree with you they still are probably the least impressive team in the Big East but playing at Sintas man it's a whole different animal a week ago, even a couple days ago, I would have said this is still an easy win for Villanova. Now I'm not so sure.
1: Yeah, I think we can definitely expect Zach Hankins to not be glued to the bench. He absolutely carved the Wildcats last time around and he did it in just one half, too. I don't, we don't know why. It seemed, it sounded like a dispute with head coach Travis Steele as to why he was benched, but Xavier was doing a pretty good job of kicking Villanova around in the earlier meeting at the Wells Fargo Center. Now the game's coming home. Xavier's starting to build some confidence again with a three-game winning streak. They got to be, I mean, obviously, you know, the crowd's going to be hyped to welcome the Cats. They're going to be more than glad to welcome to the Cats to the Cintas Center and maybe bless them with their third loss in a row. Obviously, we wouldn't want that to happen, but I will give it to the Musketeers. They are a lot more balanced now than they were earlier in conference play, and I know a big part of that was the health of Quentin Gooden, who was, he was out for a while with a knee injury. And he played a little bit with Nova. and That was when he was starting to work his way back into the rotation. But they've become a lot more balanced now to the point where Hankins is now one of their bottom scorers. Or one of their, you know, he's their fourth, fifth option now. This team is still the same. They have two or three real shooting threats. Other than that, this is a team that will work inside. And that means we're going to need to see bigger bounce-back efforts from Demir Kazurantri. From Jermaine Samuels. Because Zach Hankins, Tyreek Jones are not going to take it easy, and they are going to try to bulldoze their way inside, and it is imperative, imperative that Villanova does not let that happen. They need to absolutely lock down these guys, box out on these guys, and not let them get to work or set up down low. Otherwise, it's going to be another long game. We saw Jesse Govan destroy double teams, beat them on the glass, just flat-out finish on this Nova defense. You can't allow one of them to do it, but it'll be a nightmare if they're both getting hot from inside.
0: I completely agree with you. DCR and Samuel's got to bounce back. And I know it was the whole foul trouble thing that kind of took them out of their rhythm, whatever. But Hankins is going to be a handful down low, and so is Tyreek Jones, and you got to to make sure – you got to cover them. <laughs> you got to play good defense on them because like you said, Xavier does not shoot the ball all that well, at least from the outside. They really only have those two legitimate threats, as you mentioned. And if you remember from last time, Xavier doesn't guard the three all that well. So hopefully that is the recipe Villanova needs to get back on track from beyond the arc. And Xavier also plays a pretty slow game, 306 according to Ken Palm, in terms of pacing. So expect this game to be not that many possessions on each side. Even though last game kind of went at the opposite, I felt like 85, 75. I felt like that it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be in terms of slow pacing this. You never know. Definitely don't sleep on Najee Marshall. You know, I know
1: that we talked about the last two guys, and that's because we saw what they were able to do against it over last time, and we saw what Jesse Govan did to the cats last night. But don't sleep on Najee Marshall. He's an all-around guy. He can rebound, assist. He's very, very important to this Musketeer. Offense to this Musketeer team. And although he wasn't really going against Nova, he was five of 16 and one of seven from deep in their last time out. He's been dropping at least 20 points in three of the last four games. So he's starting to, he's coming in hot. He's coming in hot. He's coming in locked and loaded. This Musketeer team is going to give it all. This isn't going to be an easy question, but I got to ask you, what are your predictions? What, how do you think this will come out on Sunday?
0: Um, I say they win. I say Villanova wins. They find their three-point shooting stroke and at least silence the critics for at least the game before going into the highly touted matchup against Marquette.
1: My hopes and my predictions are probably going to align because I think if Nova loses this one three in a row against beatable competition, and then you're doing this before the Marquette game, so you can easily argue that this could potentially be four in a row, that would be bad. That would be bad. I Nova cannot lose this game. They cannot. Yes, I know the more important game is against Marquette, but they cannot lose this game. They cannot take another L, at least another ugly L. I don't think it's going to be pretty. It's going to be one of those muck it up, scrappy games. I'm expecting like a 68-66 type finish. We're not going to like it, but I'm hoping that Villanova comes out on top. We're going to need Eric Pascal, Jermaine Samuels, and DCR to really hold down the fort inside. I'm hoping we can see that. Hopefully they'll do a good job of denying entry passes down low in the paint. But they cannot lose this game. But Don't be surprised if it's an ugly muck it up style type of game. But I think the Cats should win this one. And I know I was wrong the last two times, but they should win this Mm -hmm.
0: one. I'm with you there. They should win it. I really hope they do. Because like you said, this could snowball. This could really snowball. And I think we're going to have to use the word. I think this is a must win. And that's
1: the thing I'm horrified of. Like we said last time, there have been many teams who are hot. 20 plus wins, doing very well, very few losses. And then all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks of the regular season, they just absolutely get pooped. The wheels come off the wagon. All momentum hits a brick wall and they just flat out collapse. I'm hoping that this isn't the case for Nova. I, that's all I can honestly pray for. We need to avoid the avalanche. The game will be this Sunday, 30 p.m. tip off Eastern time. And it will be on CBS. I'll be watching. Chris will be watching. And I'll have my Holy Rosary and Bible on standby. Unfortunately, a little bit of a shorter episode today. Got to take my parents to the airport. Got to be a chauffeur this morning. Do you want to get this question out there? Because it is from our guy, Jeffrey Callahan. He tweeted us after the loss. And I think we can all use something nice after back-to-back tough losses. And the other reason, too, is because his question is completely unrelated to the Dumpster Fire games. And his question is, would Jay ever allow the Pavilion Court to be renamed the Jay Wright Court and or have his name on it? Like, for example, with the Carrier Dome, with Bayheim or at Cameron Indoor, you got the Coach K Court. He says never. He's way too
0: humble and classy. What do you think, Chris? That was my initial gut reaction when you're reading that question. Now I'm thinking of it. I'm like, I think he'd just do it. And I don't think it's because it would feed into ego or anything. I just think he'd like it. And, or maybe he'd vouch for a Raleigh Massimino court. How about that? I think that's maybe what he would do.
1: That's totally what he'd do. And I think if it were to happen or something like that, it would have to be after J Wright's time. There is no way he's going to step onto the court while it's named the J Wright court. He would definitely, if you ask him now, yeah, if you ask him now, he would definitely say, we got to do the Raleigh thing. We got to do Raleigh Massimino court.
0: Yeah, no, you're 100% right. If it, if anything were to happen with that, it would definitely be after he's done.
1: I personally wouldn't mind it. I think he would be very deserving of it, but he would definitely shut it down real quick.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't have a problem with it either. I thought it, I think it would be actually pretty cool, but that's that's just not his, his way.
1: Yeah, if you ask him now, he will say it's got to be the Raleigh Massimino court. But if it were afterwards when he's done, I'm sure he'll still say the same thing, but then he'll be like, Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm honored. I'm blessed. He's definitely deserving of the honor. I just don't think it would ever, ever, he would never allow it while he's still the head coach, while he's still employed by the university, while he's still on the university's payroll. He will never allow it. Unfortunately, we're cutting mail time a little short today, but you can always leave us your questions at SONMPod pod on Twitter and we'll discuss it. We'll, we promise to get you next time. We'll get you on the Tuesday episode. Just got to cut it short for now. And also, I just wanted to say that we may or may not, we'll let you know, but it may affect the next week or the week after that. We're going to have a little server maintenance. We're going to do a big migration, possibly a big announcement, but we don't want to say anything on, unless if it's official, but if it impacts whether or not we have an episode, I'm hoping it won't touch postseason time. I'm really hoping we can possibly get this done before the postseason. but if it does impact or affect an episode, we will let you know. We will let you know if we're not going to have an episode. I don't think we're going to miss a full week, but it might affect one episode, but we will let you know ears open for that may or may not be next week or the week after that a little server maintenance, but uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the state of the Nova nation podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do so on iTunes, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play or podomatic. You got many, many options and soon you'll have more soon. You'll have more. If you haven't already, Please follow VU Hoops on social media. You can do so at VU Hoops, and that's good for Twitter and Instagram. Check back at the site every single day. We're just continuing to pump out content. Come join the party. And I guess recently it's become a, a grieving therapy room for these two losses that we've had lately in the comment section. But come join the party. Come join the therapy session. We got it all for you there. Vent out your opinions. Vent out your feelings. The world would love to know because it's a, it's a pretty popping community over there. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at erepay 5
0: Follow Eugene. Follow the pod. Follow the hoops.
1: Nova Nation, it's been tough these last couple of games, but hopefully you have a good weekend, and hopefully we'll have an even better Sunday after this Nova Xavier game. Hopefully we'll come back with some good news. Fingers crossed. Go Cats.